In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Let us go now to today's Gospel from Saint Luke, in which our Lord uh, gives us some powerful images about the danger of falling into a pit. He says, Can a one blind man guide another? Surely both will fall into a pit. The disciple is not superior to his teacher. The fully trained disciple will always be like his teacher. Why do you observe the splinter in your brother's eye and never notice the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye when you cannot even see the plank that is in your own? Hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye first and then you will see clearly enough to take out the splinter that is in your brother's eye. And these images, these parables that the Lord is recounting here, it all has to do with the eye. That is, whether it is the blind leading the blind and falling into a pit. Well, the reason they fall into a pit, of course, is because they're blind. And then this powerful image of, of observing a speck in a person's eye, not on the face, not on the ear, but in the eye. To observe a splinter, a tiny thing, is to notice something very small on a person. And of course, the image that the Lord is giving here is that we do have a tendency to see the small defects of others, but we don't see the very log or the, you know, the, the plank that is in our own eye. Just... It's like a, it's a powerful image. Imagine you had a plank there lying in your eye. I mean, it's so obvious to anybody, but it's not obvious to the person making the criticism because we are oblivious often to our own defects, to our own limitations, to our own faults. We're just oblivious because we're kind of blind and we, it's as though we don't have that ability to examine ourselves and to see ourselves as we really are. But, Often we do develop a great hankering, a great capacity to criticize others. Yet we don't work on our own defects because we don't see them. We don't see our problems. That may be because we lack self-knowledge. As, as though this guy with the blank in his eye, he clearly doesn't see something. He's clearly oblivious to something that is pretty obvious. So we ask our Lord now to help us examine in this time of prayer as we, as we stop here to pray. We're meant to hear in the meditation. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to pray. And ask ourselves honestly and sincerely in God's presence, do I actually have self-knowledge? Do I know myself? 
Am I able, for example, to lift, list my defects, at least to myself? Am I able to list my greatest defect, my greatest defect and fault? And of course, often it doesn't come to mind. It, I've, it's happened to me many times. I ask somebody, so, oh, so we've been talking, so what's your greatest defect? And they go, um, uh, they don't know, they don't know. I mean, that's something pretty important to know what your dominant defect is. Of course, it does require some form of investigation, some form of acknowledgement, some level of humility, because doing that, acknowledging our defects, or acknowledging our limitations, or acknowledging our character flaws, will require humility, which in turn will help us to walk in the truth, so that we don't walk blindly like those two fellows. St. Josemaria said that we might become very good at something, but if we lack humility, we're like people building a temple on sand. He said, in the way. For all your learning, for all your fame, your eloquence and power, if you're not humble, you are worth nothing. Cut out, root out that self-complacency which dominates you so completely, he said. God will help you. God will help you. And then you will be able to begin working for Christ in the lowest place in his army of apostles. Cut out, root out that self-complacency. Self-complacency is a kind of a, a passive attitude with regards to our defects, with regards to the knowledge of self. It's, it's, we're self-complacent. Like We know a certain amount of things and we think that's enough. And yet, as we don't really know ourselves, we become a kind of an expert in criticizing others, in noticing the defects of others. We become experts in knowing the limitations of others, and uh, we feel that we should be free to mention them to one and all. She has this defect, she's like that, she's like this. Kind of as though by mentioning those defects of others that would kind of make us look wiser or more intelligent or more capable. It's a temptation that we should identify and see, have I done this, like, have I done this today? Have I done this today? Have I mentioned somebody else's weakness, problems, defects, faults, so I really knew them? But what about myself? Do I know myself? Do I know my biggest defect? Do I even know the gifts that I have received? Or what area do I have to work on? We ask you this now, Lord, with all sincerity. What is my Achilles heel? That weakness that I have. Maybe something you've been struggling against or struggling to improve for many years, maybe since childhood. Or maybe you've noticed you've been struggling, but maybe you haven't been struggling enough. 
whether it's a defect, a limitation. Well, as we begin this academic year, just like you want to get good marks in your classes, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to study. In some way, we can also begin this academic year with that desire to set some positive goals, to rise above certain defects, certain weaknesses that we have, and decide kind of to really be cheerful this year. I would say that cheerfulness, maybe you could call it that, a sporting spirit, both in school and in the approach you take to fighting against your defects, your anxieties, your fears, your weaknesses, your attachment, if you approach all those obstacles with a kind of sporting spirit and especially cheerfulness, I would say it's a kind of another form that courage takes. It's like courage but with a different, different word, a different name. Maybe we've gotten a bit lazy, we've given in on finding ways of serving others. Maybe we're kind of obtuse when it comes to listening to others. Maybe, Lord, I need to be a better listener. Maybe I need to give my precious time more to others, not only for myself. Maybe all my time I've kind of burnt it up on Netflix or Amazon Prime. And I've seen all the series. Is that the best use of your time? Maybe one of the defects is that. How I use my time. But we have to, we have to be able to answer that question. Do I know myself? Because knowing ourselves well represents really the first step in becoming an architect of one's life. It's only the first step. And that's perhaps why it's considered one of the great challenges for us. And it has always been considered a challenge throughout the centuries by philosophers and theologians. The knowledge of self. Am I a good architect? Do I realize what I'm building? Have I discovered the lay of the land? Can I build here on this solid foundation Everybody knows that to build a, a large building, you need a good foundation. You need a well-established foundation. And for us to move ahead in our life, not just to get good marks and to get through school, but to, to engage in good relationships, friendships, the use of time, discipline, prayer. We do need to know ourselves, but it's the, like the first step. And we have to ask frequently and as objectively as possible. For example, how is my character? Like, how would you describe it? What kind of personality do I have? Do this in front of God. Not by opinion polls, not by what other people think of me. That's a big temptation. And it's surprising when you start to answer that question, what's my character, what's my biggest defect, or what's my biggest quality? It could happen that we often turn out very positive in the judgments we make of ourselves, or maybe very lenient. 
Maybe we could end up being completely oblivious of our failures. And we're not even struggling against them. Like, I probably told you that story. It's a silly story. But anyway, it's this little boy who comes home from school with his report card. And he brings his report card to his dad. He says, Dad, here's my report card. Here you go. And he's a little elementary school. He's a little kid. So, And the, the, the father looks at, the, looks at it and says, uh, it says, uh, English, D. Math, D minus. Gym, F. And, you know, grammar, F. Like, it gets really bad marks, you know. And uh, they're all F's and D's and whatever. And uh, he, the father is starting to get more and more heated. And uh, he says, this is very bad. This, my son, this is, come on, this is so bad. This requires punishment, severe punishment. And the little kid says, I agree, father. I absolutely agree with you. And not only that, but I can tell you my teacher's address. So he can go there and punish her for what she's done. You know, completely oblivious that, you know, he's just got the worst marks of his life, you know. And, uh, you know, we easily acquit ourselves in the tribunal of our own heart. We don't realize that we deserve punishment sometimes. (laughs) And uh, we could end up being too lenient about applying the law to ourselves of excuses and yet we can be very demanding and maybe even impatient with others does that happen to you? you know we we're sort of lenient and understanding with ourselves even the most obvious errors we always find a multitude of extenuating circumstances excuses justifications I don't know, but maybe, maybe today in our age, internet age, maybe our self-knowledge today is more fragile perhaps than it was before. I don't know. Or maybe more superficial because we've all become quite experts in presenting our best side, right? Social media, Instagram, Facebook, we, 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 we know how to do selfies. We know how to do selfies with the, you know, with the background nice and blurry and then the front like this, you know, the portrait mode, you know. Uh, you know, we know that scrolling has an impact. Because as we scroll through and, and, and we give likes and things, uh, we kind of stay on the surface and we often worry, it kind of, I don't know, makes us worry too much about secondary things. And anxiety doesn't really let us grow. And, and that's why, you know, we really need humility to know ourselves better and make lots of acts of humility. You all heard about the, the famous litany of humility there that's in the back of the missile. And... Uh, all the things that one can say so as to grow in humility. Uh, but I came across another litany. Uh, it's from a guy who has some website, and it's called The Litany of Social Media. And uh, at 
starts kind of weird, but anyway, it starts, well, it starts normal. He says, Oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of receiving likes, <laughs> deliver me, oh Jesus. <laughs> From the desire of being considered influential, <laughs> deliver me, oh Jesus. From the desire of gaining followers through my looks, I don't know, you know, you get so many looks, I don't know. <laughs> Deliver me, O oh Jesus. From the desire of not following someone back <laughs> who does not follow me. <laughs> Deliver me, O oh Jesus. From the fear of not posting because of how I think others will view it. That, I, I don't understand that one, sorry, but. From the fear of losing followers, from the fear of not being seen in the right light, from the fear of being found boring, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being seen as insignificant, from the fear of comparison. And then, you know, all these things are delivering me, Jesus, and then he changes and he says, that I want to pray more than scroll. That's a, good, that's a good one. Eh? Pray more than scroll. You know, you see people that are, they're just like, and they're not, I mean, yeah, they're in the chapel, okay, but they're not praying. Right? They're scrolling. Deliver me, O oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire. That's it. Yeah, grant me the grace to desire to, to pray more than scroll. That I trust that my worth is not defined by social media. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That social media never gets in the, in the way of me being a saint. And then, anyway, he has a whole bunch of others. I don't always understand them, but anyway. So we, uh, we have to ask that we, we really come to know ourselves, and, and that is a grace that is dependent on the grace of humility. It is a beautiful virtue, the be- virtue of humility, but it's, it's something you could say that is hard won. St. Josemaria said this, he said, it helps us to recognize, humility, that at one and the same time, both our wretchedness and our greatness. If we know our wretchedness, it's because we know ourselves. If we know our greatness, it's we know, we know the graces that we receive from God and who we are in the light of God, that we are sons and daughters of God. Meaning, humility really helps us to know the truth about ourselves. In front of God. But pride comes in there and places this terrible obstacle between God and man, between God and us. But God, God's grace can enter into the humble heart like a, like a ray of light, giving warmth and sparkle. But for the proud person, it's like... You know, he, the proud person can't see how much they have received. It's like a, a, a dark sludge in their eyes. Whereas humility is like a light into the truth about ourselves. It's like a ray of light. You know, when you see a ray of light, a beam of light into the window, through the window into the room, you see all the, all the, all the dust that is actually present in that room. But pride cuts off that bright ray of light and leaves the soul in darkness. It sort of freezes everything around us. And one of the results is we don't know our defects. We don't know 
what we ought to work on, what we ought to struggle on. If we are blind to our own shortcomings, to our own defects, to our own limitations, how can we possibly improve? It's always very bad when I do spiritual direction. I say, so how's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good, Father. Everything's good. No problems. It's fine. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, anything else to report, maybe? Uh, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah, we have a nice time with my parents. They have a nice time. Yes. Come on, come on, man. I'm trying to, like, give you a chance here. Dude, come on. But they, it's like they're oblivious. So you have to ask, like, harder questions, you know. You got to poke, provoke. Sometimes, you know, they have no choice, but, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, you know. Or it's, it's surprising when you do ask them sometimes, okay, okay, it was going good this week, but tell me, what is your dominant defect in your life? What is your dominant defect? And they often say, uh, um, uh, I don't know, I'll get back to you, I'll get back to you. They don't know, they have never actually thought of that. That's not good, that's not good. We should think about that. It's not because it's, it's I don't know, it's negative. We have to know ourselves. And not just know the splinter in other people's eyes. We have to see the beam. Maybe we don't see the beam. Wouldn't it be ridiculous not to see the beam in your eye? I mean, it's, it's a powerful image. We will improve by getting to know ourselves more deeply. We will improve by listening willingly to the constructive criticism that we receive on any occasion. Even if it's unfair. But that is only learned when we're able to say things to ourselves, when you're able to really sing the true song to myself. To know my dominant defects, to know those weaknesses we've had pretty much all our life, since we were kids. To identify some disordered passion that stands out from all the others. You know, for some people, their dominant vice is maybe just the pursuit of comfort. They they just can't take anything that in any way is uh, uncomfortable or, 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 you know, pain in any way. Or they flee from anything that's unpleasant like that, as though they were fleeing from a terrorist attack. You know? It's like they're fleeing from 9-11. You know, this whole area of cushioning yourself in pleasant comforts, both intellectually, both physically, both in the area of eating. And you never end up, it's like you never end up demanding anything of yourself. For others, uh, they have temper. They get really ticked off easily when their will is contradicted. Or perhaps for others, it's an exaggerated self, uh, sense of self-esteem. For another, it might be too much stubbornness, a lack of flexibility. For the others, it's just like this internet superficiality, this frivolity, frivol- frivolity, frivolness. Frivolity. There you go. See, I knew there was something wrong with that. Frivolity. Just in the way of approaching life. That's frivolity. I can't, yeah. You have to think about it. 
So each one of the faults or vices, if you, it, they, they, that we have, they kind of deteriorate our own character. They they make it like rusty. And if we don't overcome them in time, if you don't stop them, they can just make our whole life go awry. But let us not be afraid. How do we discover? Well, examination of conscience is a very good thing. I know you have here the examination of conscience before going to bed. Everybody comes here. You got a few moments of silence. It's a very good moment. Okay, Lord, what's an, what's an example of a defect or, or a way in which I wasn't good today? I was weak. I was afraid. Show me, Lord. It's a very good moment to ask the light from the Holy Spirit. Blessed Alvaro said that every time we begin the examination of conscience, we, always, we should always start with an act of humility. Just doing that is already, uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like a soothing balm. An act of humility so that the Lord will help us. Because perhaps on our own we're not capable, we're kind of too blind. On our own we would not be able to see anything inside us. We would be covered like, a, like in a black sludge. No idea. When we do see, see bad things, we could just end up being very, yeah, very dis- discouraged. But with the light of God's grace, we will see the light. We'll begin to acquire this authentic self-knowledge through uh, humility. Let's ask for this. It takes time, it takes time to acquire self-knowledge. But we are temples of the Holy Spirit. What repairs need to be made in this temple? We see this in large churches, large basilicas. Often they have these facades and these, you know, scaffoldings. And they're fixing, they're making sure that this is a beautiful temple. And uh, examination is like a, it's like a scaffolding that we put and we look into the seams of the building and to make sure that, you know, we see the cracks. The roof is leaking. And uh, naturally our Blessed Mother will help us to discover this and fill us with great joy. Not sadness, as we see our defects, but joy, because now we know an area we have to work on, we have to conquer with God's grace. And our attitude can be one of cheerfulness. It's kind of like a a synonym, if you like, of of fortitude and courage. The Blessed Mother will intercede for us to help us truly know ourselves. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.